0: It's a pleasure to be here. You know, this is an exciting time of year, not because of football. Let me just make that clear. It's not because of football. It's because we really have a focus on missions. And we all get excited about that because, you know, as as we saw that the mission committee met and they uh, put this out, I mean, this is just phenomenal. That as God's people, that we can reach so many places in the world and have an impact, And make a difference. Make a difference. I was walking down a street in uh, Monroe, Louisiana, and we were knocking doors. And uh, I had heard that this area had been knocked a lot in the past. And I'm thinking, you know, this is really not worth my time to be knocking these doors, talking to folks. And we knocked, and, you know, a lot of people would say things like, uh, yeah, I'm not really interested. I don't know what you have, but I don't want it. I knocked on this one door, and we went inside, and there was an older gentleman and his wife. And they lived in a house that was sparsely furnished. It smelled like uh, the gas, propane gas is what it smelled like, because all they had for heat in there was propane heat. They didn't have air conditioning, so so all year long that smell just kind of permeated the house. It was as clean as it could be, but it was very sparse. And I remember the, children, the grandchildren coming through the back door and they're asking grandma and grandpa if they could get something to eat. And they said, we don't have anything for you today. And I noticed that the, the wife had gone to the refrigerator and there was very little in there. And so we began to talk to Robert and his wife, Mary. And, and as we did that, I realized that they were more hungry physically than they were spiritually. And so as the day, as we began to have that conversation, we, we, I invited them. I was, had been thinking before that, was soon we're going to have the ladies at church, we're going to have dinner for all of us. So, and I knew that was going to be good. So I asked Robert and his wife if they would come and eat with us because I knew they were hungry. And of course he said, yes, I'd be glad to. And so they went and they ate with us. Now I'm going to tell you about Robert a little bit later. I'm not going to finish that story now. I want to talk about some other things real quick. I got this off of the uh, world uh, religion website. And if you look at how the world is set up today from a religious standpoint, it makes you think of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14. Where Jesus said broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way to salvation. And if you look at how many people in the world really have nothing to do with God. When I look at that bottom number it says that 1.19 billion people have no religious affiliation of any kind. Of any kind. And if you remember years ago, I, I and I I became a Christian in 1974, and I remember that the streets were pretty busy when it came Sunday morning, that people were headed to church services and that people were enthused. But, you know, I look today, and I was thinking about driving to the building. There aren't a lot of people out. I saw people walking in the neighborhood. They had on their shorts, and they were thinking about their exercise for the day but they really weren't thinking much about God and so we have an opportunity as we look at our missions to really do some great things now Jesus wanted to teach a lesson to his disciples in John chapter 4 and I'm going to get into this verse a little bit later but I want us to think about what he was actually doing now in John chapter 4, in the very beginning of that chapter, we see that, or just prior to that, in chapter 3, John says, I must decrease and he must increase. So he said that Jesus had to increase because he had to decrease because Jesus was the one that brought everlasting life, not John. He brought people to repentance. He brought people to Jesus. And so now as Jesus on the scene, and you can imagine as they were there and, and the people were coming. Many people were coming, and the disciples were baptizing them. People were coming to repentance, and Jesus was, they were baptizing them. And Jesus found out that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day had heard that the crowds were bigger with Jesus than they were with John. Well, they didn't like John because they didn't like the fact that they were going to him instead of the religious leaders. And so now he says it's the time we need to go somewhere else. Now, Jesus is going to take them on a lesson. He wants to take them on a tour to have a a real good, real life lesson for them. And the lesson he's going to teach them is here in John chapter 4, verses 35 through 37. He says, do not say four months more than the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now the reaper draws his wages. Even now the harvest, the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another re- reaps, is true. So he, illust- he tells them this, but he illustrates it to them before he does that. So here we see Jesus as he goes, and we see that there are actually four encounters that take place here in chapter 4. Jesus is going to encounter the woman at the well, and we've all read that story often, and we've probably heard a lot of sermons on the woman at the well. We've also see that uh, then the woman is going to have an interaction with the people of Sychar. Then Jesus is going to have another encounter with his disciples. And then Jesus encounters the townspeople. Now, as Jesus encounters the woman, he knows she needs something far better than, in life than what she has. Now, we know this woman has... At the well, by herself. And in that day when you had to have water, you had to have water to cook. You had to have water to do laundry. You had to have water to do just about everything you did. Now here she is at the well by herself. We know that she's an outcast in the community. Not a lot of people want to have a lot to do with her because she's had four husbands and she's living with another man. So she's not the staple of society based upon this. But Jesus meets her right where she is. He doesn't look down upon her. He doesn't say he's better than her. He doesn't think that there's anything to say disparaging to her. He just tells her the truth. He talks to her about having a life, a water that gives everlasting life. Revelation chapter 22 tells us how that the river of life comes out of the throne of God and that's there for God's people. And he was telling her, in, including to that, that's what she needed was that river of life. And they have a lot of conversation, a lot of interchange here. But the, the point that he wanted to make there, he wanted to help and convict her about the, the challenges she had in life. And then once he identified those challenges she was having in life, he wanted to give her hope. He wanted to give her hope. He knew instead of that water that she was drawing from the well, it wasn't that's what she needed. She needed everlasting life, water that brought eternity, not today. Of course, she says, well, give me that water. I don't want to have to come draw water anymore. He said, that's all I'm talking about. But it's interesting, as it comes time, when they finish their conversation, she came for a purpose to draw water, but that purpose left her mind. She leaves her jug of water by the well and runs back to town. Because Jesus had convicted her when he said to her, I am He who speaks, that He was the Christ. She knew there was hope coming. She knew that there was a Messiah someday going to come and that it would give her all the understanding that she needed, that it would be known because He was the Savior of the world. Now, here we are with people that are Samaritans. And she said, well, you know, Samaritans and Jews don't get along. Why are you talking to me? That didn't matter to Jesus. He didn't care. He didn't care that she was a sinner. He didn't care that she was a Samaritan. What he cared about was she had a heart that was yielding. A heart that would listen. A heart that would repent. A heart that would change. And so he offers her the certainty of eternal life because of it then we see Jesus being encountered by his disciples you know I, it, it's amazing here they were all these people were coming to them to be baptized and you know they, they could see the excitement they were excited about how that all this was growing and and they were doing the work of the Lord and then here they're going to go through the go through Samaria and so you can see there's probably questions in their minds they're going why in the world why aren't we going through Samaria? We we don't like these people. We don't get along with these people. Why would we do that? Why would you take us through Samaria? Well, see, they don't know that Jesus has a lesson for them, that he wants them to understand about who and what they're to be. Because earlier he had told them, he says, look, when he called me, he says, come and I'm going to make you fishers of men. They didn't understand that. And they're thinking, well, why, why are we stopping here at the well? They knew they needed to get food. So they go on into the city of Sychar and they purchase food for all of them so they can eat. And when they come back, here they see Jesus talking to this woman. Well, why in the world are you even talking to that woman? You're supposed to be resting. You're tired. You've been traveling all day. Because from where they were to uh, in Galilee where they're going, it was a 22-hour trek to do that. And you know they didn't travel at night then because there were bandits and as well as wild animals. So you didn't travel at night so you could only travel so many hours during the day. So it was going to take several days to get to Galilee even though they went through Samaria. And so as they're walking and, and, and going that way, he says, you know, why did you send us to get food? Because he says, you know, my food is not what you're talking about. It's I've got a different food, food from the Father that I've got to share. And then they look up and they see all these people from Sychar coming. And they're confused. Why are all these people coming? What in the world has happened? So instead of really understanding what the mission is that they've come to do and what they're they're, they're about, they're just confused. And Jesus is now going to tell them what he wants them to know. That's why as we look at that, he says, My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Not the food that you have brought me. Now, Jesus is hungry. That's why they went to get food. But he wanted them to understand that they had something far greater that they had to do in their lifetime. Not to worry about who it was. We remember Peter when he was sent to the the Gentiles at Cornelius. He struggled to go because it was outside of his reasonableness. He wanted to stay amongst Jews only. And Jesus is showing them, look, we've got to find people that really want to know who Jesus is. Or what God is doing for them. And that's why he says, do you not say four more months than the harvest? I tell you, you and your eyes look unto the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So when, they see, when he sees the crowd walking their way, all he sees is people that want and hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he's going to tell them how that they can be fulfilled. I can imagine as the woman talked to them how excited she was. I've told you, maybe I've told you about Lisa. Lisa was a lady that was uh, 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 baptized into Christ. She was probably in her 50s. And I, I, I was talking with her as we studied, and she wanted to be baptized. And, and so as, as we went to the church building, the water was really cold. And Lisa had a lot of health issues. And she had told me as we were getting ready that she recently had had a stroke. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. She goes, oh, no, oh, no. It's one of the best things that ever happened to me. I said, why is that? She goes, well, my husband doesn't beat me anymore. And I thought, my goodness, how can somebody be so thankful for a stroke? But she was. And and I said to Lisa, I said, Lisa, I don't want anything to happen to you when we go down this water because it's really cold. She goes, I don't care. I want you to baptize me. I can't wait. So I was lucky I had waiters. She didn't. I baptized her, and she'd come up out of that water, and she goes, i got to go tell my neighbor. My neighbor doesn't know anything about Jesus. i got to go. So I can imagine this woman at, Sy- at Sychar car She was so excited that she had met the Messiah, the Christ. She went into the city and she goes, let me tell you about this man that I just met. He's the Christ. He's the one that's been promised. He's the one that's coming to help us and to show us the way to eternal life. And so she proclaimed Jesus is the Messiah. And, you know, so some were excited to hear that, and so said there must be something, because she says, let me tell you what he did. He told me all about my life. He never met me. I never met him before, and he told me, told me all about that. So I know he's a prophet or something, because talked, she talked to him about that. And so here they're coming back, and Jesus sees them, and he's trying to help his disciples understand. Oh, the fields are white. The harvest is ready someone needs to reap, someone needs to reap, and so now the townspeople come, and they're excited, they're excited, and Jesus decides that he's going to go and spend two days with them, now normally you would never see Jews go stay with Samaritans, but not only was Jesus a blessing to them, but they became a blessing to him. They fed them and, and housed them for two days, all of them, and took care of them. And the result of all of that was, was that it, said, it says, and because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard from ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. There are millions of people that are looking for somebody to tell them about the Savior of the world. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for all these. So thankful and we get to participate we get to participate in that we can be help be the reapers because jesus teaches here in these lessons he says look what he says he says look for people with good hearts i never thought when i met robert that day that it would be a man that had a good heart all i saw at first was a man that was in abject poverty And that was struggling day by day. He was an older man. He didn't have much. And it was going to be tough. But the thing that I forgot about was God is looking for good and honest hearts. And that's what he had. He was telling his disciples, don't ignore people that you normally do. They would have ignored the Samaritans. They didn't want to go to the city of Sychar and stay. They wouldn't want to do any of that. But we need to look at people differently. And there may be people that we don't feel real comfortable with going to. But we need to get over that. We need to be able to go to people that we normally wouldn't. That are outside of our comfort zone. Because those good and honest hearts, they need to hear about Jesus more than the very air that they breathe. And who someone has to go, someone has to share. And he's trying to tell those disciples, everywhere you go, everywhere you go, the fields are ripe. Fields are ripe here in Fort Smith, Arkansas. We just got to find them. The fields are ripe in Asia, in Africa, in Europe, South America, Central America. Wherever, Wherever people are, the fields are ripe, and we need to be able to do that. So he says, some are going to sow, and some are going to reap. Let me tell you about Robert. So we studied for a while, and I took Robert and his wife, and we sat down and ate a meal together. And I had to go back out and knock doors, so I left Robert there and his wife because not only did they need food, (laughs) they needed some clothes. They didn't have a lot of clothes. And it was starting to get cool, so they needed some help. So I asked some of the members there at the congregation, I said, could you please help them? So they took him over and got him some clothes, and they got fixed him up a big old box of food. But before they left, they studied with Robert further, and Robert decided to become a child of God. And he was baptized that afternoon, and he and his wife were both baptized, and they went home. And I always, I wondered, I worried, I said, you know, he may not feel comfortable, He's, he's, he's different than a lot of the people here at the congregation i wonder how he's going to feel but you know what the bus started picking him up all the time and every time i was there i was preaching in a a little church north of of where we were on sunday so i wasn't there in the the congregation except on wednesday nights. i always looked for robert and encouraged him i sowed but i didn't reap but i was so thankful that god sent me that heart that i could sow And I was so thankful that those brothers and sisters was able to reap and help him find salvation in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus also taught the lesson. He says, take the blessings, take the blessings that you have and be a blessing to others. You know, that's how we look at this. Because God's blessed us and we purpose in our hearts how that we can be a blessing to others. And we can take this. If you haven't gotten this, is out in the foyer there. You need to get a copy and, and read it. But how much of a blessing you can be. And every time as they're bringing blessings to them, it's part of you. Blessing. And God says, if you bless those, I'll bless you. We want people to know the certainty of eternal life. And by doing that, we're a blessing. So let me ask you, will you be a sower? Will you be a reaper? God challenges us. He challenges us to sow, to reap, whatever it is that we are able to do, but to be a blessing to people and find where the fields are widened to harvest. And let's go out and find and help those. And let's be a blessing to those that are in our mission field. Because they are sowing and they are reaping. I saw the last week when I was going through, I'm, I'm on a Facebook thing with uh, the church. And, and it, there was a 99-year-old man being baptized into Christ. And all I could think was, praise God. Praise God. I, a good friend of mine baptized a guy that was in his 80s. He took him down the water, and he brought him up, and he came up crying. He's crying. He says, are you you happy? Oh, I'm happy. He says, well, why are you crying? He goes, I think of all the years that I could have served God, and I didn't, and what God's done for me. We come around the table today. Remember what God's done for us, that he sent his son for us. And he died for us. And he rose again for us. And we celebrate that every Sunday as we get around the table. Such a blessing. Won't you be a blessing today?